You're listening to Ari Goldweig's Parsha Podcast, recorded in 57-68-2007. This is the first podcast of the brand new year. This week we do not have a new Parsha. Instead we have a repeat, all the way back from Acharemos, the Parsha of the Kohen Gadol, his Avoda in the Beis Hamikdash, the High Priest's service in the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. That's the first Parsha that we read on Yom Kippur. That will be the Shabbos. And indeed, besides for that Parsha, we also read in the afternoon at Mincha, the second half of Parsha Sacharimos, which actually deals with forbidden relationships between a man and a woman. Something that needs explanation is why the second half of Acharimos is read on Yom Kippur, the section that deals with the forbidden relationships between man and woman, whether it's between a man and his sister, a man and his mother, a man and a man man and an animal, all these different relationships that are forbidden. Why is this actually read on Yom Kippur? That's a question that I would like to address. And hopefully by the time we've completed our discussion of Yom Kippur, we'll be able to come back to this question and explain it as well. When we think about Yom Kippur, when we think about the idea of Yom Kippur, what is the essence of Yom Kippur? It's very easy to get distracted by all of the different things that we do on Yom Kippur, which don't per se directly, we don't directly see the connection between those things and the essence of Yom Kippur. For instance, we fast on Yom Kippur. We don't eat, we don't drink, we don't wear leather shoes, we don't anoint our bodies, we don't wash our bodies, and we refrain from, ha- from having any marital relations. Now all these things on the surface, and in fact they are described that way by the Torah, they seem to be things of inui, of self-affliction. But in truth, if we understand what the essence of Yom Kippur really is, when we see beneath the surface, when we see the deeper level of what Yom Kippur really is, we see that these things really have very little to do with only self-affliction, but rather have much more to do with the essence of Yom Kippur. That's what I'd like to discuss. Before I continue, I just want to mention that much of what we're going to hear today, I heard off of a tape from Akiva Tatz, or by Akiva Tatz. You can find it on simpletoremember.com. It's his uh, shir about Yom Kippur. I've also read parts of it in Rav Dessler's Sefer, Michtov Me Elio, and he quotes from the Maharal, and we'll see all kinds of different ideas with Hashem's help. There's a very important idea, and we have to remember this and keep this in mind the whole time as we're going through these ideas. The first idea is that on Yom Kippur, the Satan, the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination of a man, the accuser, has no power. Hasatan, the gematria of the word Hasatan, the Satan, is 364. And Chazal tell us that this represents the idea that the Satan has only has power for 364 days of the year. But on the 365th day of the year, which is Yom Kippur, the Satan has no power. He's powerless. In fact, that's why Chazal tell us that one of the reasons that we send out the Seir Azazel, one of the goats that's sent off the cliff to, in, a, in a far-off place, is to Ki'ilu, as if to say, to appease the Satan, to make him feel good. Obviously, we have to know what that means. I can't go into that at length at this time. But the idea certainly is that on Yom Kippur, the Satan is out of commission. He's not bothering us. The Yitzhah Hara is not going to bother us. I have to understand what that means also because we don't really feel that way. You know, a person still has Yitzhah Hara, a person still has an evil inclination. That also needs explanation. Another idea that we see, which goes in line with this idea, is that on Yom Kippur we're like Malachim. We're like angels. We have no sins. God forgives us of all of our sins. And it's as if we're, we're completely pure. We wear these white kitlach. We wear these long linen garments that are completely white. We wear white clothes. 
we are completely pure and pristine. In fact, this is one of the reasons why on Yom Kippur we say, Baruch Shem Kevoid the second line of Shema, we say it out loud. Because during the year we're not allowed to say it out loud, because only the Malachim, only the angels in heaven are allowed to say it out loud. However, when we are on the level of angels, we're also allowed to say it out loud. That's why in Yom Kippur we say it out loud. We see this idea that we've re- somehow risen above the physical, and we've raised ourselves and totally negated our physical bodies, and we've become spiritual. With this idea, the morale says a beautiful thing. He says that the place that's the holiest place in the world is the Kodesh HaKadosh and the Holy of Holies in the Beis HaMegdash and the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. Only one day a year is the Kohen Gadol, the High Priest, allowed to enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And that's specifically on Yom Kippur. On that day when we've made ourselves into a Malach, into an angel, only on that day when we've completely purified ourselves, that day is the day when the highest, the greatest person in the world, the High, the high Priest, who is now like a Malach, is allowed to enter the Holy of Holies, that place where no man can enter. Because now he's not a man. Now he's, he's elevated above that. And therefore he can enter. Not only that, says the Maharal, but the Pasik says, Aaron With this will Aaron come into the Holy of Holies. The word Bezos is used in a number of different places, but one of the places that it's used is in conjunction with the bris, with the idea that a male has to be circumcised. Says the Maharal, this represents the fact that Kohen Gadol, the high priest, comes into the Holy of Holies with the zechus, with the merit of, of the Jewish circumcisions. Because the idea of circumcision is that we have risen above the physical. It happens on the eighth day. The number eight represents rising above the physical, rising to the spiritual. In fact, he says that in the, in the actual Holy of Holies, what he would do is he would sprinkle the blood of the seir, of the goat, and the blood of the par, the bull, he would sprinkle it eight times, one up and seven down. The one up represented the idea that we've risen above the physical to the spiritual, and the seven down represents the physical world, that's number seven. Both of these ideas represent the fact that Aaron HaKohen, the, the high priest, would come in with the zechus, with the merit of the fact that he, was, he had risen above the physical and he'd come to this level of malach, of angel. And that's the level that we try to achieve on Yom Kippur as well. To explain this on a deeper level, Rav Dessler says a beautiful idea. He says that why is it that the Satan has no power on this day of Yom Kippur? He says that the day of Yom Kippur is actually rooted in the time of Olam Haba, the world to come. The Gemara says in Sukkah that when Mashiach comes, when we are, we are nearing that time of Olam Haba, Hashem is going to shecht, He's going to slaughter the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination. No longer will we have any desire to do evil things. No longer will we have any desire to do things that, that are improper, that go against the will of our Creator. Rather, the Yitzhahara will be finished. His time will be done. He says that Yom Kippur is a day whose root is rooted in that time. Somehow there's one day a year where God shines the light of the future time, that future light when there's no more Yitzhahara, it's shined into the world. And that's what we have the opportunity to access on Yom Kippur. This too is the reason, says Rav Dessler, that we don't eat and we don't drink on Yom Kippur. Because in the future time, when we get to Olam Habat, to the world to come, there's no eating and there's no drinking. Our physical needs will be very limited in that time. All in all, we see there's an incredible light that is coming through, through the day of Yom Kippur that we have the opportunity to experience whether it's described through this idea that we're like malachim, we're like angels, 
or whether it's described by the idea that the Satan, the Satan, has no power on this day, or whether it's described through the idea that there's a light shining from the, from the next world that shines through only on this day of Yom Kippur. However, however we describe it, Yom Kippur is a special day that we have to take our, the opportunity to access all of its great abundance. If we can somehow find the key that unlocks the door to all that Yom Kippur has to offer, we'll be able to truly take advantage of this great and holy day. Now what is the key? Rev. Dessler says the key is tshuva. The key is all we've talked about for the past two weeks. It's sincerely repenting and coming close to God. But not only that, Rev. Dessler says it has to be coupled with a tremendous desire for spiritual growth. If we have these two things together, tshuva and the desire for spiritual growth, that is the key that unlocks all that Yom Kippur has to offer. I'd like to mention something that's very important that Rav Akiva Tat says in his lecture on Yom Kippur. He said that there are three levels, three steps in tshuva. The first step is vidui or confession. The second step is regret. And the third step is aziva sachit, leaving the sin. Telling God that we will try our hardest not to do it again. Now the first two steps are included in the prayers that we say on Yom Kippur. We say, Forgive us for we have sinned. We say many times that we are remorseful for the things that we've done wrong. But the prayers do not include Kabbalah al-Asid, any kind of acceptance for the future that we're going to try not to do it again. And the reason, says Rebbe is because the prayers themselves were written in a plural way, meaning they're written as a tzibur, as a community, we're saying we're, we are apologizing for what we've done, where we feel regret, and that we can say as a community. But each person on his own has to say, I'm, I'm not going to do it again, because we can't say for our friends that we're not, they're not going to do it again. We have to say for ourselves that we're not going to do it again. So without that third step, we haven't done tshuva, so it's very important that we include that in our tshuva process on Yom Kippur. Now with this idea under our, our belt, the idea that on Yom Kippur we are like malachim, we're like angels, the satan has no power, let's return back to something that we mentioned earlier and try to understand it. Why is it that we have these five inuyim, these five self in, self-afflictions that we do? Is it something because we're, we're masochistic and we like to cause ourselves pain? No, that's not the pshat, that's not the explanation. The reason is each of these things represent the fact that we're removing ourselves from the physical. Like we mentioned earlier, eating and drinking, malachim don't do that. When we come to the next world, when we come to the world to come, there's no eating, there's no drinking. That's the first thing. Additionally, Wearing of the shoes. Now this is something very interesting Rabbi Kivitatz explains. And he says the wearing of the shoes, the shoes are to the body like the body is to the soul. What does that mean? There are different levels of soul. The lowest level of the soul is nefesh. The nefesh is the part of the soul that inhabits the body. Above that is ruach. Above that is neshama. Above that is chaya. Above that is yechida. Each of these levels of, of soul, one rises above the other. The lowest level of the soul is the nefesh. That's the part of the soul that's inside of the body. And the levels above that rise above the body, as if to say, such that the body only encapsulates the lowest levels of the soul, much as a shoe only covers the lowest parts of the body. So just like the shoe covers the feet, the lowest part of the body, the body covers the, the soul, as we said. So therefore, we take off our shoes. Taking off the shoes represents the idea that we are removing ourselves from the physical. We are becoming totally spiritual now. We become a higher level. And for more on that idea, you have to listen to what Rabbi Kivitetz has to say. But each of the different things that we do on Yom Kippur, the five inuyim, the five self-afflictions, have to do with this idea that on Yom Kippur, in some way we taste the Olam Haba, we taste that otherworldly sensation of being like a malach, of being like an angel. And perhaps this can also give us an insight into the idea, why do we read on Yom Kippur on the second half of the day, and after Mincha, why do we read the Parshios 
of Arias, the whole idea of the forbidden relationships between man and woman. And this is because on Yom Kippur, just like we're not allowed to have marital relations with our wife, and this represents the fact that we've we've kind of moved out of our physical uh, our physicality and we've reached a higher level so too that's what that's why we read these parshios which remind us again that that on Yom Kippur we have to strive to a higher level and we have to bring that spiritual power with us throughout the year and we have to try to be constantly raising ourselves so that when we do get to Om Haba when we truly get to the world to come we have really risen above the physical and we have raised ourselves up to truly be like an angel have a very good Shabbos a very good Yom Kippur Gemar Chasim Atovit to everyone. Thank you so much for listening.